0: Turn with me, if you will, to Psalms, the Psalms. We're going to go to chapter two. And in reality, chapter one goes with this. We're continuing our sermon series through the book of John. And you'll understand why we're going to Psalms in just a moment. Last week, I gave us an incredible amount of history that the people that John was writing to would have just understood. And we didn't grow up in their culture, so there's a lot of catching up we have to do. And one of the things that will help us catch up is looking at Psalms chapter 2, the second psalm. It's not chapter 2, it's just the second psalm. Um, And this would have been a passage that the people of Jesus' day Would have been familiar with and it says this why do the nation's rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord against his anointed. Now what are we seeing here turbulent times rough times. Where the rulers of the earth the the leaders of the day are gathering themselves together and what are they doing they're plotting themselves against the Lord that that's God himself, and also against the Lord's anointed. And what we found out last week is this word anointed has different meanings. And you can see it there on your, your paper on the right middle side there. it It means Messiah or Christ. And those two different terms just come from the different translations into the Hebrew and the Greek Messiah or Christ, which means anointed, which is like. Those special person set aside, he is the hero. He is the savior, the one who will save the day. And it says that the world has turned against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed. Doesn't that sound a lot like today as well? That the world is against the Lord and against Christ. And this is what they say. They say, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And I have written here in my notes in my Bible is that to the world, Jesus is actually seen as a prison. He's seen as handcuffs. He's seen as someone who will bind them. And here it says, the world is saying, let us burst their bonds and cast away their cords from us. They're trying to get rid of Jesus. But then it moves on to this next progression of verse four says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Oh, right. Exactly. Imagine. Imagine a five year old trying to go up against. Mike Tyson. He would laugh. And this is what he who sits in the heavens as he he laughs, it says the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. If you remember, last week Zion is the hill where Jerusalem sets, it's the capital of Israel. But that's physically. Metaphorically, it is it is the place where God's people dwell metaphorically it's the the place where the Messiah comes and resides like what God is saying is there's all these places on earth but I pick Zion I pick the, the this is the capital of the world and it's God's chosen city he's saying my throne is the throne that will rule and then it, I think it's interesting because he says I have set my king on Zion There's all these leaders and kings and rulers out there in the world. And and sometimes even today we get caught up in politics a little too much. And the Lord is saying, you know, but I have my king. And this king, as we know, is Jesus. This he is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. And he is the king. Not a king, but the king. Verse seven. I will tell the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son Today I have begotten you. Does that sound familiar? The God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his begotten son. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. He, he's saying, my son, all these problems going on, they're nothing to him. Just like just like destroying a, a clay jar. Easy. Verse 10. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Now, this is not just a message to the world, but this is a message to you, Forerunner House of Prayer. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling, which is a weird thing to say. Kiss the son. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. And so there's this other idea that the son of the king, the son of God, is this one that we want to be friends with. We want to be close to. Kiss the son so he won't be angry with us. What it's saying is we need a relationship with Jesus because he will judge the world. And only those who have relationship with him will be the ones that satisfy the wrath of God. Now, this second song, this is a song they would have sang, and the Jewish people at the time would have known this. So now turn with me to John chapter 1. You have a little background knowledge here. And if you see, a lot of what we just talked about is over on that bottom right corner of the page. And in John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 35. In verse 35, it says, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked. Everyone say looked. Everyone say looked. He looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. You know what behold means? Look. Here he is. Behold the Lamb of God. This is not the first time he said it. Everybody back up to last week's message. Look at verse 29. What does it say there? I'll let you read it. It says what? The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of of the world. It seems like every time Jesus just came walking by John, he was like, behold the lamb of God. The next day, behold the lamb of God. It's like his thing. It get kind of annoying maybe after a while, I don't know. But guess what? That was John's job if we turn over to Matthew chapter 11 I think this gives us more insight of John the man and I I do want to take time to dive into this for just a second but in Matthew chapter 11 this is a little bit later on so we're I know we're leaving John but just it'll be all right you'll be fine right we leave John now this happened a while later so we're let's fast forward into the future Go to verse 2 of Matthew chapter 11 it says now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ stop where is John He's in prison because sometimes when you serve Jesus bad things happen to you it says he sent word to his disciples and said to him to Jesus Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Which is crazy. Because it was John who kept saying, look, he's the one. And now he's in prison, and he's starting to have doubts. I thought spiritual people didn't doubt, friend. And so they go to Jesus. They ask him this. Are you the one, or should we look for another? And Jesus answered them, go and tell John What you hear and see. Say see. See, the name of this sermon today is come and see. Come and see. And I love it because John's whole ministry was, look, there's Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. Look, there he is. There's Jesus. He kept trying to turn people's eyes to who? To Jesus. So then He sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one? And what does Jesus say? Come see. Come see. Just come and watch. The blind receive their sight, which is a real great one to start with. And the lame walk. The leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Which would be a powerful message to John who had served proclaiming Jesus and now is in prison. It would be really easy to be sitting in prison and be pretty offended by Jesus right then. Jesus, I did all the right stuff. I should be the one that has a front row seat to watching you give sight to the blind and bring the dead to life and preaching the good news to the poor. I should have a front row seat to watching the lame walk, but instead I'm sitting in prison. And Jesus said, but blessed are you if you're not offended because of me. And you know what? Blessed are you when you see Jesus moving in somebody else's life and you're not offended because of it. But but Jesus, I've been serving you more than they have. And look at all the things that are going wrong with me. And Jesus is like, Look, I'm doing what I'm doing, but blessed are you if you're not offended because of me. So as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John, who was in prison. And he says this What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaking in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are for king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he from whom it is written, Behold, I have sent my messenger before your face, who prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For the, all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. Which is funny, because what did John say about himself? I'm not Elijah. What humility. What humility. And as we find out as we read lawn in scriptures that he came in the spirit of Elijah. He's not literally Elijah, but he came in the spirit of Elijah. And then he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And, and he goes on to say, you know, like like here am I, you guys, you guys get on to me because I'm going to weddings and I'm hanging out with people. I'm going to parties. And you guys say that I'm of the devil. And John, though, he lived in solitude in the wilderness, and he did not have nice things. and He did not eat good food. And you said he also was not of God. Like, like, who's of God to you people? Like, nothing's ever good enough for you. And I love it because Jesus is asking these people, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? See, we're all looking for something. We're all trying to see something, even you. You want something to see. Some of us, that's all we do. We get home, we're like, let's see if there's something we can see. We always want something we can see. John's whole message was, behold, the Lamb of God. And and this this title, as we talked about last week, and I want to cover one other aspect of it today. In their culture, they celebrated the Passover lamb. There was this time when the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. Some of you know this story. And God was going to send the angel of death to come and kill the firstborn of every household. Which this story always terrified me because I was the firstborn of my household. He's going to come and kill the firstborn of every household. Except there's an instruction that God gave. He said, if you'll take a lamb and you'll kill it and you'll paint the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, then when the angel of death comes, he will pass over that house. And this is what all the children of Israel did. They painted the blood of this lamb. Now, what had this lamb ever done to deserve to be killed and have his blood painted on that house? Nothing. And yet, when the angel of death came, he saw that blood and said, you know what, there's already been a price paid here. A lamb has already died, an innocent lamb, so he moved on to the next house. What happened was all the children of Israel had painted their the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, but the Egyptians had not. And so the Egyptians suffered great loss. And so when Jesus, and, and I, I drew a picture there on there, and that's way too much blood for this picture. It wasn't that much, but there it is. Um, but when Jesus comes on the scene, do you guys realize that he's our Passover lamb? Do you guys realize that sin causes, like we deserve to die? Like, we've got to feel the weight of this sometimes. Like, our sin, we deserve to die. And Jesus, his blood, he is that Passover lamb. So our sins are passed over. Jesus is the Passover lamb. So here's John the Baptist. So when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, this is very different than all the other titles we're going to see here in the first part of John. Look at the bottom right of that paper, if you will. There's what titles are there, the ones we've talked about. Messiah and Christ. Well, that's a hero. The Son of Man. Well, this is the person who defeats the enemy. The King of Israel. The Son of God. These are great titles. And to a group of people who are being persecuted by the Romans, this Roman army that's come in and taken over their land, That's what I want. I want a Messiah. I want the Son of Man to come. I want the King of Israel to come. And I want him to kick some Romans' butts. But John, his description of Jesus is very different. Behold, the Lamb of God is a very different kind of title. That's why I have him on opposite sides of the page here. You actually might have to take notes on the note page I gave you. I'm not sure. Uh, His title is very different. He's saying, here's a guy that's going to die. He's destined to die. Verse 37, it says, the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. So Jesus turned and saw them following and said, what are you seeking? Y'all, this is the first recorded words we have of Jesus speaking in John. And the first question he asks them is, What are you seeking? It's not of him teaching, it's not of him telling them to do anything, it's him asking a question. And the question he is asking them is the same question he's asking you this morning What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And this word staying means abiding. And if you're around here much and when we get to John 15, you'll find out we're really much about this word abide. Where are you staying? Jesus, where is your place that, that you are? Where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. What do you say? Come and see. There's this this phrase that we have as you can bring a horse to water but you can't make him drink. And I love this invitation of Jesus. He's just saying come and see. Come see parents, can I can I encourage you to take every opportunity for your, for your children to be able to come and see Jesus, every chance you get. Well, what if they don't choose Jesus after that? That's you. Re- that's on them. Do you realize that? That's on them, but it's on you to be like, come and see. Come and see. Uh, that's why I think you should be in church every. Every moment you can, and, and not just our church, but being around other believers. That's why I love things like the D-Now Week we have over at Freeman Heights to realize it's not just us that are doing this Jesus thing. There's so many of us in this community that are saying, come and see. Jesus, wherever you are, that's where I want to be. So they what? They came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him for that day, for it was about the 10th hour. It was late. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. A- and just pause. The other person might have been John himself that's writing this. We don't know. It doesn't say. So what does Andrew do? Verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ, which he was excited about because these Romans are about to get it. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. I, I, want, you to, I want you to look at this. This drawing I have here. I didn't know which way to make these arrows go. I didn't know if they should go out or in or whatever. I decided to come make them point in because everyone's being pulled to Jesus. But what I love is that John the Baptist was pointing John and Andrew to who? To Jesus. He said, look, come and see Jesus. So here is is John the Baptist pointing John and Andrew to Jesus, his two disciples. There's Jesus. Go look at Jesus and then what does Andrew do? He goes and finds his brother Peter and says, you know what? I have found the Messiah. You know what he's essentially saying? Come and see. you got to come and see this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me it's really simple follow me pause some of you who have a really long testimony about how you really got into the world for a while and you really had to hit rock bottom before you followed Jesus and now you know how hindsight's 2020 and you're like man I wish I would have been just the guy who Jesus would have been like follow me you're like okay right? I wish I hadn't had to have gone through all the stuff. And young people, listen. These adults will tell you, don't go through all the stuff. Just follow Jesus. The stuff is hard. Just follow Jesus. Just follow him. Follow me. Okay, I'm coming. Let's go. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Peter and Andrew, Andrew and Peter. So Philip found Nathanael. And he said, do you sense a theme here? Everyone keeps going and finding somebody else. And what are they all doing? They're bringing him to Jesus, right? Come and see. Nathanael, and he said to him, we have found him who Moses and the law and the prophets wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And and I want to just... Take a second because, like, you might not know everything that Moses and the prophets talked about. But can I tell you something? Nathaniel spent his entire life studying everything Moses and the prophets talked about. And what did Nathaniel know about the Moses and the prophets and all the things they talked about? Well, I I drew it over there on the right. Nathaniel knew who the Messiah was. He'd grown up hearing about it his whole life. He probably even heard his parents Bad-mouthing the Romans and talking about they can't wait for the Messiah to show up. I mean, a very good comparison today was imagine imagine you're a little kid growing up in Ukraine today. And the Russians are coming in. And you think, you know, we just need a hero to to rise up. A leader to rise up and help push these Russians out. Nathaniel would have known who the sin of man is. Nathaniel would have known who the king of Israel was and who the son of God was. So when he came and said, we have found the Messiah, we have found who Moses and the prophets talked about. And guess what? He's from Nazareth. And y'all, Nazareth was a bit like Green Forest. What's in Nazareth? Chicken farms. I don't know. The middle of nowhere. Carpentry shop, yeah, that's what was there. Carpentry shop. There was nothing there. It was the middle of nowhere. How many know it's the middle of everywhere? How many know Green Forest is the middle of everywhere? Guys, come on. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Look at this. I, I'm going to do an aside here. There's this population map, the center of the U.S. population, and every ten years they update it. And if you watch the light, it's moving closer and closer to Green Forest, Arkansas. Every year, it just inches closer. The center of the U.S. population is getting closer to us, guys. The center of everywhere is coming here. Anyway, aside. He said he's from Nazareth. He's the son of Joseph. In verse 46, Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth? Are we talking about Nazareth? You know what Philip said to him? Come and see. I mean, I could try to explain it to you. Has anybody here ever been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah? You try to take a picture of it. And what's what every time you try to show someone the picture, and what do you say? The pictures just don't do it justice, so you try to describe it, and you just can't. At some point, you're like, you're just gonna have to, you're just gonna have to go see it for yourself. Like it's a little bit what's happening here. He's like, listen, I could try to explain this to you, but you're just gonna have to come and see. I saw it this morning with with uh, Michaela and Eddie over here, and I saw the Lord just stir in their hearts so much, and, and you've had it yourself where you've, you've had the Lord do such a work in you, and you just want everyone on the planet to experience the goodness of God just the same way you have, and you wish you could just rip your heart out and give it to someone else so they could feel the way you feel, and they could know the things you know about how great and good our God is. The reality is that won't happen Unless they just come and see. And God's going to have to open their eyes for them to really see it clearly. And everyone in here, whether you know Jesus or, or you don't, can I say, our, my heart is that you will continually see him. Over and over and over again. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. This is insane. What? What? We don't know what was happening under that tree, but whatever it was, Jesus said, I saw you, and it so shifted his heart to then his heart in just a moment. Just with one, I saw you. See, it's not just come and see him. You have to realize, ladies and gentlemen, this morning is that he sees you. He sees you. Like he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. The scripture tells us like he knows you better than you know yourself. Like you'll lie to yourself, but he knows who you really are. He sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your heart when you come to him in humility. Like Jesus, all I have left is you. I've tried to do it on my own and I, I need you. And I have to believe that that's where Nathaniel was in that moment or under that tree. Somehow, maybe he was broken and he was crying out to God and saying, God, I, I need you. I need to see you. And here's Jesus, and he's saying, No, you came to see me, but can I tell you something? I I see you. I know you. And Jesus answered him and said, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? He's about say, you ain't seen nothing. You will see greater things than these. Here's what's so cool. When you come and see, you're going to see more than you could ask, think, or imagine. Abundantly above. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you... I, I, you might want to underline that in your Bible. Truly, truly, I say to you. This is something John likes to use. This this isn't, you don't see this in other places in the Bible. John loves this phrase. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, I was trying to think of a, an equivalent for today because no one says this in our language today. Truly, truly, I say to you. I think the closest thing we could come up with is things like, like, Listen, I'm, I'm not even kidding you right now. Like, like, seriously, listen to me right now. Like, it's this exclamation point Jesus is putting at the beginning of what he's about to say. And he does this 25 times in John. So this is number one of 25. As we go through this, we're going to see this 25 times. And this is the first one. He says this, truly, truly, I say to you that you will see. Now, what did you do? You came to see. But he tells, I'm going to tell you what you're about to see. You will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And here he uses this title, the Son of Man. Who's the Son of Man? He's the one that will defeat evil once and for all. The one from Daniel's dream, the hero, the conqueror. And he, he's referencing here a place from Genesis. Remember last week when we talked about Abraham? God made Abraham a promise that all nations would be blessed through him, and his offspring would be like the stars in the sky, the sand on the shore. Well, fast forward to Abraham's grandkid. One night, great Abraham's grandkid finds himself alone. We won't get into all that. And he's tired, so he lays down, and he uses a rock as a pillow. See my little pillow rock there? Yeah. Yeah. He uses a rock as a pillow, and I don't understand why they included that detail in Scripture, but it's there, and it makes me think this really happened. So he uses a rock as a pillow, and as he's sleeping, he has this dream, this vision. And in this dream, the heavens open up, and there's a ladder that goes all the way to heaven, and these angels are ascending and descending. And can I, for a moment, tell you, when, you, when I say angel, please don't think of these white beings in robes with two wings and a halo. It's not a biblical description of angels, all right? But these beings going up and down this ladder, basically saying this is a spot where God and people meet together, where heaven and earth are bridged together. And what he's saying is, what Jesus is saying here is, I don't think he's saying you're literally going to see this. I think what he's saying is, I am that bridge. I am That ladder. You're gonna see heaven open up on the Son of Man. I am that connection. Remember that tabernacle, that that temple, that tent, that place where God and man would meet. He's saying, I'm that tent, I'm that place. Like you realize you don't you don't need a church building to meet with God. You can meet with God because of Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and man, and it is Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, "I am that and in that moment when Jacob is having this dream, God makes the same promise to Jacob that he made to his grandfather Abraham. He says, "All nations are going to be blessed because of you. Your descendants are going to be like the dust. It's just that they're going to be everywhere. And all nations will be blessed because of you because of Jesus. He doesn't mention Jesus by name in that dream, but this is what he's saying is everyone's going to be blessed because of Jesus. So we hear Jesus is referencing this dream. He's saying, I am the blessing that was promised to Jacob in that dream. I am the ladder. I am the gateway between God and man. Why? Because I am God and man together. And Jesus Christ, as we talked about the, in the very beginning in John chapter one, verse one, Jesus is God. And what is so great this morning is that we have a, a wonderful Father. That When we turn our eyes on Him, when we come and see Him, He does more than we can ex- ever expect, ever, more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Like, Jesus completely blows our minds. He takes us on a journey like, guys, our lives are boring without Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you this morning. Come and see Jesus. And so, uh, I guess Robert, you can join us, if you will. What I, what I want you to notice the most about these notes is that everything is pointing to Jesus. John the Baptist bringing people to Jesus. Andrew, bringing people to Jesus. Philip, bringing people to Jesus. Even the law and the prophets point to Jesus. And our faith is built when we put our eyes on Jesus. Can I tell you something? It's really easy to put our eyes on all the things that are going on around us and all the problems. Like we read in Psalms chapter 1, it's really easy to put our eyes on the world that's plotting against the Lord, right? All the crazy stuff going on. It's really easy for us to put our eyes on our sickness, on our financial woes. And Jesus is saying, look at me. Look at me. Come and see. Come and see. Some of you are so busy trying to figure out all the things like like one thing i struggle with is how do i make people like me more it's just an ongoing battle in my heart just to be honest i i like to be liked i want people to like me more i want you guys to like me more i want i want the people i work with to like me more i want my kids to like me more like it can cause real anxiety inside of me but for me all I really need to do is put my eyes on Jesus and humble myself before Him. Because He already likes me. He loves me. I'm enough for Him. I'm enough for Him. This morning before I got started, we had a lot of things going on in our congregation that need prayer. What I'm asking now is I'm going to ask the elders and, and leaders of our church to come. And I think we should take some time to declare Jesus into some of these situations that are going on. We're we're gonna pray for Robert because he's doing something crazy. And if there's other needs that I didn't mention earlier, but but you know, would or, or even just can I tell you something? Even if it's just a friend, you have a friend who has a need or or anything. Would you just come and stand in for them and let us to. De- agree in prayer that Jesus will interact this is Jesus that raises the dead like Eddie was telling that story about Lazarus and I was like my brain went that really happened can you imagine walking up on a funeral and just raising the dead that's insane yet that's the God we serve he's a miracle working God We have to believe in that. We have to put our eyes on that. What what is my altar call? My altar call is come and see. If you're sick, come and see what Jesus will do. If you have a need, if your heart is broken, come and see what Jesus will do. If you need, need him to meet a need meet a need in your life, come and see what He will do. If you don't know Him, if you don't know Jesus this morning, come and see. Stand with me. Father God, we come before You right now in the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, we trust You. We trust that You will do what you need to do.